0: Yo, I'm waiting on Mo. I'm waiting on Mo bass I said, I'm waiting on Mo. I'm waiting on Mo back. I said, I'm waiting on Mo. I, I said he's talking to his mama. A F I. But what's up, mama? Backstage stories. All right, cheers to you, Mr. Moritz Butschneider. Cheers, Jordan. Clinky, clink. Oh Oh, man, did you have you have you thought like, um, have you been drinking more or less the same amount of alcohol since this whole thing started?
1: Um, I thought about this a few days ago because I thought like, yeah, I drink way less alcohol during quarantine because I can't go out with with friends to bars and whatever. Um, and you don't have those... And no partying. So you don't have, I don't know, a Saturday night party and get completely shit-faced. You don't have that anymore. That's a, but on the other hand... That's a good point. Um, I guess I drank more casually. Like, yeah, let's drink two beers here. <laughs> fire up beer, you know, in the evening. Um <laughs> Next evening you're sitting <laughs> on the terrace with your with your with your parents, and obviously there's some red wine. <laughs> so I'd,
0: obviously, I, I guess I drank more casually. So, but I so that's kind of funny. Like quarantine has helped you be uh, like a casual adult drinker.
1: I've <laughs> <laughs> oh, seen like, it all you know, now, mate. <laughs>
0: That's super funny. That's super funny. Because you, you kind of imagine when you go into shutdown that you're like, well, I guess I'm just going to drink three bottles of wine every night or, you know, just get blasted on tequila or something. But actually, it's just made it's made you a more responsible drinker, sort of like a <laughs> like a functional drinker. <laughs> You're like it's so weird. I'm I, I'm I'm not going out and, and blacking out and waking up in the grass. It's weird. It's you know it's strange for me. I'm, I'm dealing with it though. I'm healing. You know.
1: I always Man, have my underwear crazy. on when I wake up.
0: It's a new world. Everything's everything's different now. Oh, so what dude. about you? Um, you know, the first two or three weeks that this whole thing started, I was drinking way more. The first when everything really shut down and I was, I was stuck here in Munich, um, before I went down to the mountains. Um, but even there a little bit, um, I was drinking every single night, man. I was drinking, not wasted. It was still semi-casual, but I was drinking every evening. I was like, okay, tonight I'm going to have three white Russians. And the next day it was like, I'm going to have, uh, five beers or, you know, then I would have, um, like what I'm drinking now, like just a good old fashioned, college Jack and Coke, uh, cause I want a little caffeine with my alcohol tonight. Um, and I was doing that a hell of a lot. And then when I went down to the mountains, I think, I mean, I still drink a lot there, but I, I was like calming it back down. And then, and then if was like, Hey, you know, I just want to make you aware, you know, like no judgment. I'm just making you aware that you're drinking a lot right now. <laughs> and oh, maybe yeah you know, and it's 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 a different feeling when you're when your partner mentions it to yeah you. definitely <laughs> you know it's like oh no i'm disappointing everybody um she's like when you go back to munich um you know maybe you could just take a little break you know keep an eye on it and so well I, you know and honestly it worked out great that my plan was to come back here and um take a break from drinking because like I said in earlier shows, I had started right back at the school full time. So when you're working at a school, anyone listening who works in education at all totally understands that it just doesn't, it doesn't go hand in hand unless you're some sort of like philosophy Uh, professor at a community uh, (laughs) college or some kind of pro (laughs) dude, unless you're, unless you're a professional, a professional. Yeah. But I'm not quite there. I have some, some years to, to train, I can maybe have a couple of drinks with dinner, but I mean, I'm really, I'm, uh, you know, on a normal school week, I'm exhausted by like, yeah, 10, by 10 p.m. You know,
1: that's why you're Joe exhausted.
0: I'm Joe exhausted, and you're Scooter Moe. I love these nicknames. You know, if we started like a, like a side musical project that was only electronic music, yeah, I think it, that would have to be our pseudonyms.
1: Or or 90s hip hop could also work. Mm. Scooter Moe sounds Ooh. like a, like a
0: 90s name. Dude, Scooter mo. you'd have like, kind of almost like what you have on now, like an oversized flannel open, but instead of this t-shirt, you'd have like a white, like a wife beater under it, and then (laughs) a a single gold chain, and then you'd look like one of those, you know, like mid-90s hip-hop guys, uh, looked like, (laughs) kind of... They, they, you know, they had this look of like, look, I'm from, a, I'm from a tough neighborhood, but I'm still educating myself. So they would always have these like thin, thin round frame glasses. <laughs> you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, totally. You would be that guy. <laughs> You're like, I'm schoolin' mo, and I'm reading the book on the down low. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, I would be work. like the, I would be like the, the bit like the biggie, like the uh, notorious Big version. <laughs> Of Joe Exhausted?
1: Notorious B.I.G., who, after after he ran away from responsibility, I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would just be so, I would be, well, I'd be drunk on the reg, that's for sure. I would be, I would have one of those gigantic, uh, I think, little, um, was it, who was it? Uh, uh, oh, man. Little John, I think he coined the whole pimp cup thing, or him or, him or Little Wayne, I think. Who was it? Was it Lil Wayne who coined like this pimp cup? They always had like their drink.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course.
0: I think it was Lil Wayne, maybe because he have, always have you kept, ever like... have
1: you ever witnessed um, w- Lil Wayne playing a guitar solo live? Uh, no. Oh my fucking god! It's a live show, a huge Lil Wayne live show, and at some point within a sample, um, um, a roadie brings him a guitar, which is wireless connected to an amp and Lil Wayne plays a guitar solo and obviously he's super oh, yeah. stoned and it's complete bullshit but the funny thing is the video of Lil Wayne playing the super shitty guitar solo has like 2.5 million views <laughs> on YouTube <laughs> and then there's a tutorial <laughs> how to Lil Wayne guitar there's solo a gu- oh no <laughs> which <laughs> some funny guy Made a uh, how to play this guitar solo, and this video has five. Dude, I'm gonna, I, uh,
0: you know, there's like this new style of of musician video, like this. I I know you've seen these videos. They're on YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. They're everywhere, and you know, it's only something that I think could have originated in today's technological age. But you know, these trends where they play like a completely non musical clip, like for example, they play a clip of this podcast or they play. A viral video of someone talking to a news camera about something tragic in their town, or a clip from a TV show, and it's it's a drummer who plays a beat to the vocal pattern of the person talking. Have you seen these? Dude, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, my yeah. god! Like the ones they do. My favorite one ever. There's this guy. If you have to see this one, it's um, I love this show. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And there's a famous episode um, where Charlie Day is working in a in the in the mail room of an office building um, in the style of like those late '80s Wall Street movies, and he gets in, into his head that there's a conspiracy within the company that this this certain I can't believe I'm forgetting the name because uh, Pip I think it's Pepe Pepe Sanchez or something like this. some like really good name um, doesn't exist. Like all this mail comes for, for Pepe, but the Pepe doesn't exist in his head, you know? So he's like in the room and he has all these, um, like red strings attaching like key points. Like, okay, here's this mail, but on this Saturday there's this. And like, you know, he has this whole like conspiracy board built up and he's tired. His eyes are all black and he's smoking cigarettes like crazy. And his friend comes to check on him and, uh, he's and he just riffs like this very, very long monologue about the whole conspiracy. And dude, this drummer just nails it, and it makes it so musical and so interesting. And uh, I had just never seen anything like that before. Yeah, there's
1: super crazy shit going on. But um, there's one uh topic I want to get back to. You've fallen, you've fallen to, you've fallen for TikTok. How is it? How addicted are you already?
0: Oh man. Dude, I have to admit, um, I so I I dipped my toes into the murky waters of TikTok a few times over the past couple of years, um, and I I always found the depth of this water a bit too deep for me because I'm not a great swimmer.
1: You're a simple swimmer,
0: and I'm a simple swimmer at heart, my friend. And uh, it kind of freaked me out. I thought maybe I'm. I mean, obviously, I am too old for TikTok. I I'm very. I'm highly aware of that. Um but I don't know why this year. Yeah, it's fair. It's interesting (laughs) as fuck, dude. It's so entertaining. It's so entertaining. Um and I think because of quarantine, um yeah, I just had more time on my hands and I just got distracted more easily. And uh man, I'm looking at TikTok every single day. (laughs) I believe
1: that and I have one idea when at some point, your album will drop, and maybe next year or whenever we play, we'll play shows again. Um, I want to have a TikTok account for that,
0: and do just for the just for the live shows. You yeah,
1: know. and you when I when I think about the the car rides we have, the time backstage or free time in the afternoon in some certain city we have never been before,
0: you could create so much great content yeah that's true that's true i mean there's always there's always so many great jokes and great bits that happen on the road man there's so many great moments like little quips or like just hilarious i mean that's how we came up with the whole thing about mark Boyson. we could have done a whole tiktok trend about the fact that he disappears (laughs) That's, that's
1: the first thing that came to my mind because and this is not um meant in any disrespectful way but Mark could be the, the perfect... Of course. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's my drummer. I love, I love him too. But guy.
0: Mark could be the perfect um, TikTok star. Dude, he would be a perfect case study for some sort of TikTok trend. Like, you know, there's so many, so many little trends that people repeat and, and build their own personality on. And some of them are so random and so strange. And you just think, how is this a thing? And yet what they're doing is entertaining. And maybe even just the fact that he always disappears when we go to a new city I just want to shortly tell the story about um when we went to Brighton so last uh no was it it wasn't March no it last March week it's year. been a, it's been a year it was March last year Jesus Christ dude time time feels so weird right now um so March last year uh or may <laughs> no it was may what the fuck it oh, was May, so in May 2019, um, uh, I got booked to play the Great Escape Festival in in Brighton in the UK, and I brought Mo here with me on bass, and our buddy Mark, of course, um, who's been my drummer uh, since I since I've lived here, and uh, we three went, and it was a it was like an amazing trip, you know, like two great. Uh, live performances. We had day tickets. We saw all these great artists like Joshua Burnside and, um, Lewis guys Capaldi. We, just, we fell in love with them. And, um, <laughs> we saw, uh, I think you saw Lewis Capaldi. Oh no, he's a huge star, right? He's already, he's like a famous guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't know him so well, but, um, yeah, we saw lots of great shit and it was really a lot of fun. And, um, uh, Mark had this habit, which he always does no matter where we go, where, you know, he can't really, like, he really, he can't make, like, a decision on something that he wants to do. Like, I remember, like, the first day that we got there, we were starving, so we went down <laughs> the street to this, uh, I saw this diner, and it looked like it had pretty nice-looking sandwiches, it had good coffee, it had, like, some teas and stuff, so like, like, a mild amount of variety, and it looked good, and it was right in front of us.
1: It was raining.
0: And, um... And we was had like, to hey, go inside somewhere. It was raining, Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It was raining. And we thought, okay, this sucks. We're hungry. Here's a diner. Let's go inside. And I don't know if you remember it this way, but I remember standing in front of it. I looked at you and I was like, hey, this looks pretty good. Do you want to go inside? And instantly you were like, yeah, sounds good to me. And then we looked at Mark and it was like, hmm. hey, Mark, what do you think? Everything, like, is this cool? <laughs> hey, dude, in the classic, the classic Mark Poisson response is a furrowed brow. Pushing your lips a little bit away from your face and going. Mm, <laughs> totally. Oh, mm. You know, nodding from side to side, like you're trying to get water out of your ear. Mm, you know, mm, mm. And I was like, well, do you have another idea? Do you, do you see something down this street that you'd like to go to? You know, we're game for anything. Well, no, but. Mm, mm. And finally, I think, I don't know if one of us just made the executive decision, but it was like, I'm going in yeah <laughs> you know yeah but no- So he went in there yeah they yeah, go on sorry oh yeah yeah but but like that's that's his other like main um habit is this like he doesn't really make a decision and we have to make it for him and then usually he's fine anyway and even inside the, <laughs> oh my god i'm sorry i'm but even inside the diner you know we we go in and like you and i go up to the menu and it's like Cool, I'll have this sandwich and a cup of coffee. Thanks, great. Pay, sit down. We're eating our food. And this means that time has passed enough for us to have ordered, to have sat down. Like 20 minutes. Dude, at least. And we're getting through our food. I'm on like the last chomps of this sandwich. And then Mark Boyson decides like, oh, I guess I will order something. (laughs) It's like, now? (laughs) Okay. But yeah, he does this all the time. He's, you know, I love Mark. He's a very talented drummer and a really good friend, but he always swims against the stream. You know, he's just... One of a kind. He's his own... He's one of a kind. They broke the mold when they made Mark Boyson. And um, the perfect reason why he would be a good TikTok trend, I think, or something, a humor like this maybe, is just that we we nicked on, on this trip, I think it was this trip, we nicknamed him Ghost because... I think, I don't know, it was a three day trip and probably seven times uh, Mark would just wander into a different direction than the one that we were walking to. And he would just not tell us where he was going. And then at some point we would just not know where he was for a large amount of time. Do you remember there was like a a couple of shows, like he just went one time. Okay. One time we made it really clear. It was like, okay, everyone do what they want to do we're going to meet at this place at seven or something. And then that was fine. But there was other times, there was like uh, so many times where we were just walking together and like, maybe even looking at a performance or something or getting a snack at a food truck. And then Mark Boyson would, we would just turn around and he just wouldn't be there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And we would look, we would look around for him. We tried calling him. And I remember one time I found him by accident, <laughs> you know? It's so crazy, but yeah, just this random disappearing thing.
1: And it's crazy. now imagine we would all of the 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 plot that you just told within the last few minutes. We would have that on tape, and cut it hard together, like like jump cut style, like a mm, modern mm-hmm. TikTok style. His it. reactions
0: and and the moments he disappears. <laughs> TikTok gold. Oh man, there do you? I mean, do you know anybody? like this guy from your personal life other than him? Um, no, not really. You know, I have to say I have to say the only other person who reminds me a little bit of him is somebody who, if they heard this, would laugh really hard because they consider themselves the polar opposite of Mark Boyson. It's my friend Vivi because in uh, in 2016... I did a tour. She's
1: been on the show already, by the way. For
0: oh, that's right. For people who want to get to know her. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry, Vivi. I forgot we had you many moons ago on the show. One of our earlier guests. Um, yeah, she's he, he, listen to the episode. She's extremely talented, very funny. One of my very best friends, and um, I would say she's a little bit like Mark in a certain way, which is the fact that they get very easily distracted. They swim, they swim against the stream. They do their own, you know, they, they, they're one of a kind kind of, and um, they can't really make a decision. The only difference being that Mark uh, floats around forever until you tell him you're going to do this. And Vivi can't really make a decision, but she's down for anything. You know, like if you say, what do you want to do? She'll say, I don't know. And she'll say, I don't know for hours. But if you suggest one thing specifically, like, do you want to go there? Then she's like, yeah, sure. Of course. You know, there's no hesitation. But um, I in 2016, um, before I had any management or anything here in Germany, I did my first tour here. It was all self-booked. And I played a bunch of uh, small open mic bars and cafes. And I think it was like... To- huh.
1: I have the tour poster right here next to me. The sophomore Hang year tour, board.
0: right? Yes, sir. I loved that tour. It was it was a lot of fun. And um, the majority of those shows, like, I think we played 15, uh, 15 times, you know, like, I think we played three times in Berlin and um, once in Leipzig and Dresden and Munich. and We went to uh, Innsbruck. And we it was a it was a lot of fun. Vivi drove her van from Madrid here. It was like a twenty one hour drive. Um, but anyway, it was a lot of fun. And um, the m- most memorable chunk of that was when Mark Boyson joined us for a few concerts because we were playing like a trio um, for a few gigs in Berlin, and we stayed at. A friend's house. There, there's like this 68 year old man who's a very successful architect in Berlin. His name is Carlos. <laughs> I think you know Carlos, huh? Carlos Zwick?
1: Yeah. So yes, not not personally so well, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's he's another. I mean, you could do it your own podcast about this guy. He's super super crazy and interesting and lovely. Um, and he let us stay at his house. So we three were staying there. Um, for these shows that we were doing together and man, there's this beautiful, like, like priceless inside joke. And I'll try to explain it without rambling too much, but basically like one time, once a single time, Vivi smoked weed with us on that, uh, on that trip. Mark never did it. He never did it at all with us. He was kind of being like the father, you know, like he knew that we were excited to be there. He knew that we were going to drink and and party and trying to meet a lot of people. And you know, Mark, he's distant. He does his own thing a little bit. And he's he's older. He's got like almost 20 years on me. And he was just being like this responsible, overwatching kind of guy. And There was a few shows where, you know, he didn't want her to drive and not, she hadn't even drank anything, you know, but he was just like, I'll drive. Don't worry about it. I'll do it. And you could tell that he just wanted, he just felt more safe if he was taking the lead and being like this fatherly thing. Anyway, one time Vivian and I smoked weed just once. And ever since then, ever since then, Mark Poison, like, refers to this behavior of Vivi as classic Vivi. And she only did it one time. (laughs) Once. So now, you know, and we ate this up, like, me and Vivi thought this was the funniest thing to make fun of him for, because he, he thought it was like this, oh... Classic VV, like, and he, you know, like you put the, like the little weed symbol up to your lips with your finger and your thumb, like, oh, classic VV. Get a little stone, huh? Get a little smoky, smoky. <laughs> Once, and ever since then, uh, whenever Vivi and I call on the phone or something, um, there's always a moment where there's some sort of joke, and she always remembers that she was called Classic VV. So whenever she makes me laugh on something. Then she always tags it with, like, classic VB. <laughs> and it's it's so good, man. It's it's really... I love that. I love that. That was a great tour. That was a lot of fun to see all these cities. And that was my first real experience um, doing anything, like, in Leipzig or Dresden or Berlin or anything.
1: Getting around
0: Germany. Yeah. She, she, t- she drove this van um, from Madrid to Munich. And then we played... Like, 14 or 15 shows, and then we ended back in Munich, and we played this, um... Actually, it was, I think, one of my earliest... I think it was my second performance ever at the Miller Club. And Peter Pazmandi, who is one of the founders of Concerte, was actually mixing that night, and the sound was awesome, dude. And her parents came in, that her parents had driven into town, and her brother was there, and they filmed it all. And From I, Madrid? Yeah, man, they you know they um they were doing like their own they had like holiday so they were driving around um i think they were going somewhere for holiday anyway and then they just ended up meeting meeting us in munich and they ended up spending like a week with us they um stayed in the hotel next door to us in munich and they went to this concert and it was a lot of fun i love her family they're really sweet people really genuine like good smart kind people it was really nice nice sounds like a pretty cool trip but yeah dude i think mean, tiktok has really become my whole life right now other than <laughs> other than um, the- yeah other than um oh here's something i wanted to talk about uh i you know i got this i told you about it this is this is why we didn't do the podcast yesterday but i got this crazy offer that i think can really only exist again like can really only exist today something i never i've never had offered to me ever which is that um so me and mo and mark were supposed to play a festival at the end of this month um near i think it was near mosel cell is that right i don't remember anyway uh, somewhere in baden wurttemberg that's it and of course you know uh, since february or march or something it was uh it was uh, rescheduled for next year because of corona and my booking guy sent me a message um just a couple of days ago and he said um you know they the guys who who run this festival they you know they want to book you again next year but they're trying to still keep um most of the artists that they had booked this year uh on on like a an a live like internet performance sort of thing and which is normal. Sometimes you have people who, you know, want you to do like a house concert. You, you, you film like, you know, you do your, like two or three songs or something and they put it on Instagram or whatever. And it's just a nice, like, um, a nice gesture of like, Hey, wish we could play with you. Here's a nice little song. Hope you're having a nice evening. Stay safe. And, but they said, Hey, why don't you record, uh, an entire show, like a 35 minute, uh, slot or something. And we'll still pay you. I mean, they, you, Ooh, things running going and
1: and even book you for next year. And
0: they this is well that that's us, yeah that's on the table is that they they're supposedly going to um book us for next year. I hope they do. I mean they haven't confirmed anything but I hope they do. Um but super super sweet deal It's crazy, man. Like it really I saw the message and uh, I think w- what just blows me away the most is that they even that they even have this as an offer because I'm I have to think maybe they get like a large amount of money from the government or from sponsors or something like otherwise they're just really losing a lot of money on this. I mean, do you know, since you work in media, do you know how stuff like this works?
1: Not really. Or I mean, I don't know. Obviously not really regarding
0: such events. Um. Okay. Okay. I didn't know if maybe you'd uh, interviewed some people maybe in the past who, who handle this sort of thing, but it's crazy.
1: No, on, only artists, okay. <laughs> only interviewed artists, how they, how they survived the crisis, but not, uh, actually no, no, um, event guys. Okay. Whatever. So
0: the, you only ever interviewed like the drunks like me? Yeah. 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 Um, you know, speaking of drunks, I remember this time you told me that, uh, the, the German, or, no, they're Austrian, right? Wanda or they're German?
1: Wanda, they're, they're Austrian.
0: Wanda, I I told um I told a friend a few nights ago that I like that the the name or the band Wanda, like W A N D A. When a German says Wanda, I I imagine that they're speaking English and they're trying that they're saying that they wonder about something. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what's for Mittagessen. <laughs> but, I wonder um,
1: when I can have my firearm beer.
0: <laughs> um but you um you guys prepared at the station right because uh vanda is like they're they're, they're also like some drinkers huh
1: um yes but they were so, when when i interviewed them they were so friggin' hungover <laughs> that they only wanted water so one colleague of mine <laughs> um thought like oh yeah vanda's coming maybe she'll get over to the supermarket real quick and and get some get a variety of drinks for them (laughs) and bought like prosecco wine beer whatever and then they came (laughs) and they came up with the with the elevator and the guitar player gets out of the elevator and has to sit down because he's exhausted (laughs) and he's okay those guys are super hungover super fucked up we interviewed them on a on a on a couch in the studio and um, the guitar player is s- sitting laid back like this. And there were moments within this interview where I thought, fuck, he fell asleep. <laughs> really? We can't ask him any more questions because he fell asleep. He ne- he nearly fell asleep, but he um, he worked his way through
0: somehow. Man, that's, that's the, you know, I like to drink, I like to party and I love when there's an opportunity to be interviewed about my music it's a very selfish thing that i actually really enjoy but i mean there's a line to draw at some point where it's like come on man get your shit together i mean even keith richards he's still alive you know he keeps his shit together you know yeah. come on yeah oh man that's <sighs> i i can't judge it i can't judge it too much but- though i mean of course I mean they're rock stars and it's it's like it's almost like um i don't know what do you say a rare thing today yeah it's like a rare yeah kind of i mean all the rock stars today um are either i don't know a lot of them today are like vegan um gluten-free um highly like highly liberal gentle like like you know like i don't know they don't have this same kind of raw natural kind of coolness to them that they that they had do you have a do you have a band or an artist in mind uh well okay like i i don't know if i don't know For if the person i'm going to describe is exactly these terms, like exactly if they're, you know, I mean, there's, and you know, to be fair, there's nothing wrong with someone wanting to be vegan or needing to be vegan or wanting to be gluten-free or needing to be gluten-free. What I mean by these terms is like someone who's just, a, you know, I'm using these terms as a way of saying that they're not as like rough and rough and chill and cool and like flowing with it. And like, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's cool to show up hung over for an interview. I mean, that's something that I just said, I hope that I would be able to pull off. But I just mean that, you know, they don't come off as, I don't know. You just think about, I, for example, for example, some person who I think, yeah, some person who I think keeps this Give me a kind of rock star energy going, even though they're probably a humongous asshole, is, um, hold on, Alex Turner from Arctic Monkeys. Um, I saw him, I saw him do, I mean, then again, he could be, he could be all of these things, but the persona, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's mostly, it's not about what they, what they do in their personal life. It's about the persona and Alex Turner, um, one of our, both of our favorite, uh, songwriters, you know, he, I saw him do, um, maybe you've seen it too. K-E-X-P Seattle. Do you know this? Yeah, super, super... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, super the, the, the famous. If you haven't seen it, every artist you've ever loved is on there. If you have any, like, good taste. I mean, these guys are, like... There's only great bands on their YouTube channel and on their station, and uh, it's, a, like, kind of a dream of mine to to get on KEXP one day, or, you know, Tiny Desk or whatever. It's in the vein of, like, Tiny Desk, in, in a way. And, um... Alex Turner was promoting, I think the album, Suck It and See. And he came on, you know, not as Alex Turner, but as kind of like, I'm Arctic Monkeys, you know, like he, he was Alex Turner, but he was just playing alone. And he, he had this crazy, uh, you know, could have been very lame leather jacket on but it wasn't lame it was kind of badass <laughs> could have what do you mean like could um, have I'm sorry could you lame? picture me wearing a leather jacket that would be super lame. I would not pull that I would not pull that off <laughs> I am a I am
1: uh, I doubt it I, I think you could
0: you could I, rock I, some I am I am a bowl jacket. of mayonnaise that has been morphed into a functional organism like I cannot pull off leather jackets and a like, functional drinker. I'm a functional drinker that's basically like baby powder in human form. And uh, Alex Turner shows up. He's got like some stubble on his chin. He's got this great, like thick black hair that he's just like kind of shoved back behind his ear. And he's got this leather jacket on. And it's just this attitude, man. Like he even goes as far in this really, again, can only be pulled off by people with this, like this touch but he's, he's there with like these Ray-Ban sunglasses on and they're kind of hanging off his nose and he plays these songs and I mean, they're gorgeous. He does like these really stripped down acoustic versions of these really, you know, heavier rock songs. And, uh, the interview is, uh, you know, probably, it's probably not the easiest person to interview. I think he, he kind of came off almost a little too cool for school. Um, but still this vibe of like, dude, that guy's, he's going to be a fucking legend forever. And he knows it. He knows it. He's already won multiple Grammys. Yeah. That's it. You know, it's like, I've made it, you know, I've made it. And I'm always going to kind of have this, this thing about me, you know? And he's not, and he's not the only one. And it also doesn't have to be exactly this way. You don't have to wear fucking leather jackets and shit. Like, I just mean this vibe, you know? He pulled it off and it's like, that's a rock star. He Maybe he was hungover. Maybe he was not, but he just had it. And I think, I'm trying to think of an artist today that has good music, but doesn't give me that, ah, a, a band today that has that vibe, but does not give me that, um, feeling is maybe, um, the guys from the band Whitney or... Or maybe um, ah, Rex Orange County. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah, 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 that yeah, is yeah, yeah. kind of like today's. I mean, if you exclude you know the majority top forty pop Billboard sort of style of person or whatever, um, like Rex Orange County is extremely successful now since since uh, two years or so, and you know he's. He's someone I would love to hang out with. He looks like really sweet and really cool and really intelligent and uh you know it's definitely in my in my wheelhouse of personality types that i that I think is a cool guy, but he's not this old style rock star type. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, sure. you know like I'm by no means shitting on either of these people, but i there's just for me like a visual difference and I think Rex Orange County or the guys from Whitney or I don't know, maybe some of the guys from Wolfpack or something like, you know. Oh, no, 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 I'll take that back. Wolfpack, those, those guys are rock stars. <laughs> they're nerdy. They're nerdy, but they're so fucking cool. You know, and the interviews and shit and like how they do their social media, you know, they, they just, they pull it off. They just pull it off, you know, and like, I, I can't imagine someone like Rex Orange County in the same, um... The same scenario as uh, Alex Turner, where he shows up like looking a little bit like lame and how tough they're trying to come off and it working. Alex Turner, like if he was a softer dude, he would look like he's trying too hard. He would look like he has this um, like small dick energy, but he doesn't. It like really works for him. And you're like, oh, fuck, man, this guy's such a badass. (laughs) Have have you ever heard that term before?
1: No. And uh, I wanted to ask you about one other term you used at the very beginning. Uh Uh-huh. By wife beaters? Did you mean those kind of tank tops? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've never heard the term wife wife beater. (laughs) That's that's rough. (laughs) And I've never heard small dick energy. Sorry, Jordan. Uh, No, no. (laughs) But regarding
0: you, I I forget that people don't know, uh, like a white sleeveless. You know, tank top. We we call it a, uh, yeah. a wife beater. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Fair, um, but regarding your 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 point, um, yeah. that's also the the whole r- kind of rockstar attitude and the uh, kind of a sp- kind of a special, unique um, vibe around a uh, an artist or a band is what I'm often missing with with bands and artists and obviously songs i i listen because somebody shows um shows me them and i like i kind of like the the music but i don't stick to it because the the artist i know doesn't doesn't speak to me in a way right you know what i mean yeah i'm not getting attached by some kind of of attitude or there's no no fascination growing or whatever and the band where i totally have this um and it's a big part why I like them so much is Cage the Elephant, because they celebrate those ki- this kind of '60s Stones rock and roll attitude, rockstar attitude, but in a in pretty artistic artistic ways. Have you ever seen the videos? They work together with with um, different super edgy filmmakers and um, building artists, etc. Whatever, and but still, the still the leather the jacket rockstar attitude, but in a very subtle way.
0: I haven't seen their videos, but i am trying to I'm trying to like kind of get their image in my in my head. I think I think I know what you're saying about that. Yeah, I don't know. The funny, I mean, the thing is too about bands like this and bands like Arctic Monkeys are are different and the same in a kind of way. And then there's this there's this like funny gray zone with bands that fall into this sort of um, glam rock vibe. Um, you know, if you think about um, if you think about the old uh, like the old players like uh, Bowie and and Freddie Mercury, they you know they they fall a bit into this theatrical glam rock world, and they were definitely um, vibing more more of a feminine persona from time to time, but it still had this like kind of raw, like, I don't know, like sick. <laughs> and we say sick as in like, cool. Like just, just, it just had this rock star, you know, just like a legend was being, was happening here. Something legendary was happening there. And, um, I get that same vibe from, from the killers. I haven't listened to the killers in a long time. I don't know what their new stuff sounds like, and maybe it's different now, but, you know when, um, uh, what's the album? Uh, what's the album? I listen to it so much. Uh, have you listened often to the Killers?
1: Yeah, but but not that many al- album in their um, eternity. To to quote Billy Eilish, by the way, um, only few hits or a few yeah. songs. I. I found somewhere along.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they, they have, um, you know, a few songs that are like really heavier, thicker, distorted guitar. And then they have other songs that are more based in synth. And I love watching their live shows on YouTube because they they fall in that world of like, they are total rock stars. And they have this attitude and they have that persona. And, you know, the guitar player and the bass player and the drummer, they, they're kind of doing doing what you expect or what you want to see from a rock star thing. And then Brandon flowers in the middle goes in and out of masculinity and femininity. And for me, that kind of accentuates this essence of what glam rock can be and what it maybe even should be, which is like blending how you feel in a way. And at the end, you're still, you're still admiring them as, as a rock star. And I I think, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of bands today who do it that I just don't know, but I think they're one of the last bands from my curve of you know finding new things where they um, they fit into the, the pocket of that so perfectly.
1: Yeah, but to, to 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 make my point clear with this kind of attitude that makes that 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 builds a fascination around a yeah. band or an artist um it's like because i said there are many many songs and artists where i'm missing this and you could say basically most of what we know i don't know (laughs) what any indie pop albums from 2013 to now which stick to kind of an of an 80s vibe um and maybe some more electric parts etc and i'm hating this 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 fake 80s vibe. I don't want to be the, the old guy who says like, oh, they don't play real music anymore these days, but they're just picking up elements from another time um, and are replaying them over and yeah. over and over. Yeah. And bands like H. Elephant pick up a vibe from another era, but take this as a bass, but create something completely new yeah. out of it using those elements and living this whole attitude all the way through. You could you could picture this in a in a in in fashion. So like many bands, I am missing this but you could say I do not um, it's not the same if a hipster in I don't know in Air Force One sneakers plays um, rock music fr- from the seventies, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. it doesn't. It simply doesn't match in some right. in some way. And bands that are really fascinating are those who are l- living it through. I was like, oh, sorry to 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 get back to them once again. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they, the 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 music they're playing and the and the the the, the vibe they build up is basically mostly seventies blues rock music. And giving it a kind of British raw touch and that's it. But it worked in the, in the, in the, in the 2000s.
0: Yeah. You know, you, you, you see a band who, you can see a band's inspirations and then you can see the talent that they bring to it and where they take it and they take it somewhere fresh. And that, and that makes, that makes a good, um, a good songwriter. And I, I completely agree with you about this whole, um, 80s thing being like beaten into the ground. I don't know when or why or how this style um, blew up, like in the last, um, yeah, like you said, maybe even the last um, 10 years or so through now. And I feel like when I hear a song that has this, I don't know, this tone or this sets up this 80s world, maybe they're guys who are just obsessed with getting these old style Moog synthesizers, or they have this um, like chorus flanger effect on the guitar, but you know, if they just have the effects and they just have the sound of the '80s, but they don't bring something new to the table to define themselves as unique artists, then man, I get so bored of it so quickly, and I just, uh, I just skip these tracks over and over and over, and I feel like it's, um, I feel like it's really wasting, or it's, I feel like it's kind of crowding the small gap that artists have any way of getting through to a new audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's
1: totally the point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If it sells, I mean, just, it's like the Avengers thing. It's just like, if it sells, then let's just keep making more and like blow yeah, up, blow yeah. up the industry with it.
1: Yeah. And there are many, there are many artists with, I experienced to, to like two to three songs of them, but there, there, there's too much, um replaying um the stuff their influences have already done thirty years before um and to less um bringing own talents in and it's a band like you know the, you know the band uh Gri Fleet right yeah yeah, yeah, they're always called the new Led Zeppelin, yeah, and they are crazy musicians, but they got this label, and when I listen to it. For me, this this label is totally true because yeah, they're the new Led Zeppelin,
0: but not more, not less. But it's also I th- I think this I think um, this is a good example. I think Greta Van Fleet or Greta Van Fleet, whatever they. I think you know it's it's this boring thing. It's just you. It's this boring thing that happens a lot right now, which is like you see a band that has an enormous amount of talent but they don't bring something fresh to the table. I mean, Greta Van Fleet, they might as well just be covering Led Zeppelin's songs. Just, they sound a lot like them, but it doesn't mean that they're special or different or unique. They're just a really, really good, young, good-looking cover band. You know? And, like, for me, when I was in high school, the band that was called the new Led Zeppelin was fucking Wolf Mother. And when I first heard the song Woman... By Wolfmother, I was like, "Whoa, this guy is totally ripping off Robert Plant's singing style." But then I listened to the album, and I was like, "Holy shit, these songs are super cool and really well produced." And like Love Train and Joker and the Thief, and I mean, these tracks they rip and they're different. You know, they they fit into that genre. You can see their inspirations, but they're bringing something new, and that's why they have a place. In the rock and roll history for that first album and do i saw them live and they kicked ass and that's what you need like you know you need to have be something that's familiar enough for people not to be afraid of it but also different enough to where they think you're your own thing
1: yeah, quick wolf, wolf mother fun fact and it yeah. apple tree was the song that brought jordan and me together
0: which song oh yeah what was uh, apple tree apple tree that's right oh yeah yeah 2015 we covered that yeah at a festival together yeah it was the first thing we played that was really cool hey let me just uh, take a quick uh pee pee and fill my drink I'll be right back Phone. <laughs> oh man, but that's a, for me that's a really um that's a really interesting topic to get into like what makes what what makes like original music so fucking difficult to make what like or how can it not even not even hard to make but what makes it uh accessible to new people. You know, like what what's what's what, how can you make a song that people can listen to and like, they have to say, oh, oh, well, this sounds like, um, this sounds like Ed Sheeran. And oh, that sounds a little bit like Fleet Foxes. Oh, but oh, I like what he's doing there. You know, you have to appeal to either. you. I think, oh, okay, here's the thing. I think nowadays you either want to try to appeal to, um, this like perfect vocal, perfect production, um, pop world, which, you know, since working with children just literally becomes background noise. You know, you have this like repeating, repeating rhythm with like, almost like grind your teeth, boring lyrics. There's so many songs that these kids request that I hear all the time, every day. And the say it's the same shit over and over. Normally it has like an, Oh, 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 or whatever over and over like a hundred times in the song. And the kids, you know, it stays in their ear. It's an earworm. And usually the text is so generic and repetitive. And it's another inside joke between me and Vivi. But basically the whole thing is like, all of these songs are about tonight. Only tonight. It's about us and you and me tonight forever because there's only tonight. The stars look on us because tonight, oh, oh, tonight. It's the same shit when 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 did you say when did you, when did what <laughs> no. oh ah uh, uh, I missed a good joke i'm sorry uh, yeah 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 yeah, tonight, man tonight. and then you know the other that that's the one industry you're kind of fighting to get into it's like, okay, maybe I'll be famous for a year, make some bags, make some money and take it, and you know fade back into anonymity or animosity, whatever, and then the other side of it is um do you want to be something fresh, original, unique, creative, and like astounding in 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 your own way? And man, so much competition for both, and it's there's just a small pocket for both to be able to try and do anything, you know.
1: But the struggle starts even earlier from a musician's point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, well, for for yeah, me, for, for for me, for example, and I've never have written that much. Original music and whatever, but maybe like fifteen songs or whatever, or twenty. Um, but the struggle starts when you try to write a song, and uh, no matter if you if you do it on purpose or if you just jam out, and it and it turns out that you're you're getting somewhere. Um, but the struggle starts when you because obviously you start with something you know. Because you've heard it somewhere else or you were just taught, okay, these chords work together or whatever. And from there get to a point where it's not just <laughs> playing someone else already does successfully, but filling little gaps with your with your own talent, like you said, and bringing in your, your own touch and create something new. That's where the struggle starts as an artist, I guess. And for me... I, I wrote songs and, but at some point when I was 18 or 19, because I started pretty early, um, I realized like, okay, this is n- not my thing because when I have an idea and I s- start to write a song, I always question myself, okay, is this cool? Is this something new or is it just something everybody has already heard of? <laughs> um, and that's why I, I am now at a point, And that's first of all, because, um, I don't feel the need to go somewhere with um, be playing music, so it's just a hobby, and it's a great hobby. Being around with you, playing shows with you, I would not like to, to miss a second of that. But I, <laughs> I, I close the door to the <laughs> to the part of of um, of writing my own music. I like to.
0: You think you did like? You think you did like forever? That you closed the door forever? I guess. Mm, I'm not sure. I guess that's, that's hard to say,
1: right? That's hard to say, but I, I definitely stopped, stopped pushing in this direction and, and trying over and over again. Right. You know, it, it it happens often that I get a little lick or some, some some chords together or a little melody or something. And try to to do something with with it. I send you the, the the stuff I I I played and recorded during quarantine.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say you you put a clip. Yeah, you put a clip of your uh, funky quarantine song in here. A yeah, couple and weeks that, ago. that's
1: still fun for me. But I do not try to push and write
0: songs. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard because I I <clears throat> I think with music, you I mean, you never really have to make this. I think the biggest line that you probably have to draw, the hardest line to draw as a musician is, uh, is not the line of, do I want to, uh, only focus on being a studio musician or do I want to focus on, uh, you know, being a songwriter where I can play shows under my own name or do I want to focus on being like a, a a live a live musician who gets booked for tours or something? I think those lines are hard, especially if you're torn between them. Um, sometimes I get more money, you know, singing for other musicians or writing text for other musicians um, who do something else than I do from my own uh, record sales or streams or concerts or something. Sometimes. And you know, that line gets played around in my head of where I should maybe focus my interest more. But I think the hardest line in my experience, uh, for a musician to draw is how long can I make this the most important thing in my life? <laughs> you know? Um, like what I mean by that is
1: And I believe that that's tough.
0: Yeah. I've had I've I've played on that line um very realistically, maybe four or five times where it was like, should I stop? Should I really just go ahead and stop um, trying to make a career with my name and my songs and, um, you know, promoting myself the way I do and fishing around for um, new listeners the way that I do and trying to get like tours and and stuff
1: But but how often do you do you think about this, or how much are you are you dealing with these
0: with these um, thoughts? Well, that really depends. It depends because um, I'd say when there is when I'm when I'm recording something, then I'm completely rejuvenated, and I can only obsess with this new music. I can only plan and focus and design and think and stuff and, and and prepare myself for when I have the opportunity to release it and how and when and through what channels and who's going to like it and how can I fix it and, and whatever. And I get really, really jazzed up about it. Um, and when I'm doing the release, like in May of 2018, when I released the 12 songs record and we did this, um, you know, we d- actually didn't do a tour, which I felt really was a mistake on the, on the booking guy's fault. And we, um, you know, that's not the point, but like when I released the record and we did this big concert in Munich and stuff, that's another like, you know, hit of gas to the car. Like, Oh shit, this feels so right. This feels so right. I really need to, uh, keep this momentum going and like do do everything I can think of and like brainstorm new ideas of, Spreading the content and like getting new ears, but then this yeah because you're conf-
1: confronted w- with so many things right? exactly
0: exactly. But then, as every musician will know, there are these huge gaps between releases and between recordings, where you know maybe you're not making so much money, maybe you feel that there's not that many listeners, maybe you don't get as much uh, feedback or comments or whatever. um or like maybe there's a few months where you really don't get any new followers on any sort of platform um, and the, the streaming numbers aren't jumping up like as much as you thought or something. And those chunks happen every year. I mean, there's always a huge gap of months where things are just stagnant. And either you've done a good enough job and had just enough luck that the preparation before this gap Um, was successful and the numbers are where you like them and it's okay for you to to leave them steady and you can um, focus on other things and be comfortable that this is brewing in the background or you feel that you failed. The preparation wasn't as good as it could have been. The numbers are not where you want them to be. The money is not what you wanted it to be, which is more often the case. And then you have to wonder, um, is this a legitimate goal that I can have in my life? Or do I need to stop living this fantasy that I'll actually make a career as a musician and um, digest that information now and make a new living for myself so that I don't end up like one of those really embittered guys in a black band t-shirt at a bar at 40-something talking shit about all the music that he's listening to today because he never gave up his um dream but he never made it you know like i'm that's my, one of my biggest fears is to end up and, you know and everyone knows a guy like this like just some guy at a bar who watches a bunch of concerts who obviously um wanted to make it and maybe even had like a record deal or something for a little while and um just didn't crack the code in a way and lives a bitter life where he feels his dream never came to reality and I think every musician who takes themselves uh, really seriously and wants to make it their career has has these gaps where it's unfortunately based a lot on, on numbers and data and, of course, money. And, yeah, you know, like the the new record is, the whole record probably is dropping early, maybe like January next year, but there's a couple of singles coming out this year. So, you know, since we recorded it, I've only been thinking and planning about, you know, how it could be released and looking forward to these dates that were booked. And now, you know, you know what, now that it's like booked and there's a label and stuff, I can get excited again. And this will fuel me from now, I know, until maybe next March. From now until maybe next March, I'm going to have a nice cooking, boil, boiling energy, you know, under the surface about everything I should be doing and um, planning and preparing and and asking for advice and reaching out and stuff. Uh, and then in March of next year, you know, everything will be done, everything will be out. And that will be another turning point for me where I have to decide, um, did I do everything I could? Did I get lucky enough? And are the numbers better than they were by the time that we released this episode? You know, like, was it better than last year? Um, And if it's not, then I'm definitely going to have that conversation again with myself. I know it. I'm going to be sitting in my bed at 11 p.m. at night or midnight, um, not really able to sleep, wondering if I need to stop this nonsense and go back to school. For sure. I have it every couple of years, for sure.
1: Dude, that's been a really, really deep and honest take. (laughs) It's true. It's just totally true. But but super nice and super interesting for me to 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 dig into your thoughts with you. Believe that? But this <laughs> I I have thought about it when you when you talk about the example being the the bitter old guy who hasn't made it <laughs> watching watching other young artists play. Yeah. Um this whole mood has so perfectly been captured by the Cohen brothers. The whole film inside Llewyn Davis, one of my favorite f- movies of all time, captures this feeling. He lives my biggest nightmare. Being the musician who, who, having not quite made it, but had some highs, had some lows, and being a bitter guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you know, he and, and he's going to live, he's going to live the rest of his days thinking that he was better than the ones who made it. And that the ones who turned him down, um, were the wrong ones, you know, and the, and the shitty thing is for us, the audience, his songs were, gorgeous gorgeous beautiful original handcrafted songs with a great singing voice and great finger picking and you know if I had that record label in that scene like there's a scene I guess like halfway through or a little more where he performs it for the record label guy and he turns him down Uh, I mean if I had been that guy I would have signed him I would have given him a chance You know, who knows where he would have turned out, but it's so, the thing is like, I, I kind of hate that movie because it's so realistic and so scary. It's like my, it's like how some people can't watch slasher films because they don't want to be afraid of the dark. I can't watch Inside Lewin Davis because it reminds me of like the reality of this, of this goal and how, uh, how realistic it is that, um, could be after this release or not that, um. I could be slapped with the fact that there's not just just not enough people interested, and I can't. Especially if I start having a family or something, I can't spend as much time as I do on it now, if it doesn't make me any more any more money than it does now. And the only good thing about where I'm at now is that, um, you know, like I said earlier, this other softer line to draw about where a musician will go is like, you know, this line of giving up isn't there but the softer line of where i want to be in music is there and if i can just stay in that bubble then i'll then i'll be okay you know if if i don't make it under the name jordan prince and i don't make it selling my own songs that i'm singing um then the good news is i do have this pocket where i've made money <clears throat> writing text or singing for composers who are putting songs into you know, television and film or, um, you know, I could, I could have a lot of enjoyment if I bettered my craft, if I bettered my voice and I bettered my guitar playing and did some session work for other musicians who have a better, a better string of luck and, um, and, uh, talent than I do and playing for someone else's material. I I can get a lot of joy out of that. And honestly, if I can just be in a studio somehow, and not starve doing it, then I can be really happy. I don't have to be on the road. And thankfully that's something I came to the conclusion of in the last eighteen months or so. And that took me twenty nine years to get there.
1: But it's it's for me it's a it's a it's a pretty wise point of view to the the the, the, the to your craft and
0: to to your artistry, etc uh I mean, I, I I would say it's it's a better outlook on it than I had when I was um, twenty two or yeah maybe even twenty six or twenty seven. I think that's sort of reality that you know, like swallowing the reality is the hardest thing. That it just might not work, and that's okay. Um, the thing is, my my goal is just to not be that bitter guy, and if I can, if I can make money somehow in a studio somehow or on the road somehow then then i can be happy then i can do it and then by the way this is
1: a very (laughs) this is a very very desperate call to all (laughs) studio owners out there listening
0: yeah right (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) exactly no just joking but i believe that like hire me please (laughs) (laughs) no but but i guess that's that's a that's a that's a cool attitude of yours and uh one that doesn't put you too much under pressure and hasn't that that much potential of, of frustration
0: yeah that's the thing it's like the hardest part is finding the um, finding that acceptance that like how can i how can i not do exactly what my dream 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 is and still not be regretful not be resentful and not not judge myself that maybe i did something wrong you know cuz the easiest thing to do is to say that i didn't do enough and honestly in film and in television and in media and in music, it's always the same. Yes, you have to work your fucking ass off and be good. But you also have to be extremely lucky, man. Um, I think that that's probably where I have to stop today, my friend. Cool for me. All right, buddy. Cool for me. I also have stuff to do. Do some cooking. My man. All right. Well, um, just uh, as always, for those who enjoyed today's show, please go to... Uh, Spotify or uh, Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. And please give us a, a good review, a good rating or a comment. Um, it really helps shows like this reach new listeners who are searching for uh, something to listen to during quarantine right now. And uh, even just telling a friend, just word of mouth goes a long way for small shows like this. So thank you so much for listening. And uh, Mo, as always, buddy, I really appreciate your time. Bye bye. It's been an absolute pleasure. Have a great week, guys. Look at baby. The saints are coming through.
1: Man, it's all over now, baby, blue. Artsy farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.